0: More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and
1: carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Today on More to Life, when love is hard. Are you in a difficult relationship? we're not sure how to love a difficult person in your life we're here to help 877-573-7825 everyone says they want to have a great marriage and family and personal life well the theology of the body uh, reveals how you can actually achieve it
2: more to life the happiest couples know how to say i do to each other every moment of every day surprising relevant
1: Good morning, everyone. You're listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. I'm Lisa Popchak. And today on More to Life, when love is hard, you know, relationships are difficult. And often we find ourselves relating to somebody who's not all that easy to get along with. And we know that we're called to be loving in those relationships, but we don't necessarily know what that Means with this particular person or in this particular situation. If you find yourself in a difficult relationship or have to deal with a difficult person, we want to help you find the loving ways to respond. Give us a call at 877 573 7825, whether it's your spouse or one of your kids, whether those are littles or adult kids, a parent, a relative, or a friend. Difficult people are everywhere and rather than just walking away from them we know we're called to love them unfortunately i mm-hmm. guess but what does that really mean so if you're struggling to know how to love a difficult person in your life or you're struggling in a difficult relationship give us a call we want to help you find those grace filled answers 8775737825 again that's 877573 Seven eight two five.
2: You know, if you find yourself either getting up in the morning or at a time of day or time of the week where you just kind of go, oh, I've got to see that person today. Or I hope I don't have to see that person today. Even even more, right? Where it just sort of puts either... That exhausted weight on your chest or that feeling of dread or anxiety or even anger where something doesn't feel right when you know you might have to deal with that person. You know, that, that feeling sounds very negative. But what we really can realize is that it could be the Holy Spirit saying to something's not quite in order in this relationship. Something's not quite right. And you're probably saying, yeah, them. You know, if they could just get themselves together, I'd be fine. But we all have something we can do to change that relationship for the better in some way if we're willing to consult God and get some good skills. And, you know, this is a time of year where we have, I think, a bit more of that reaction, that, oh boy, kind of feeling, whether it's you have to see people at the pickup line at school or at the football game on a Friday night or at church or at those family gatherings as things begin to ramp up toward more and more family gatherings or on those committees that have restarted in this time of year. Whatever that is, there's more of it during this time of year than probably any other time of year. This next, like, you know, the two or three months that's going on here, this quarter of the year. And if you're thinking, no, it's all year, or, oh, she's right, it's now, let's help you with that today. So you can have a sense of God's peace in it. You can have a sense of strength and purpose in it. You can really know what you need to be doing to keep yourself feeling good, to change the relationship in whatever way God's asking you to change it, and you'll have that sense of, yep, I at least know that I'm on the track that God wants me on, and I have the skills to do it. And we can help you do all of that today if you give us a call on More to Life today at 877-573-7825. That's 877 877- 573-7825.
1: And again, the show uh, is titled When Love is Hard, and we're talking about those difficult relationships with all the people in our lives, whether we're dealing with a particular difficult person or just a difficult relationship. How, what does it mean to be loving? in those situations how do we actually love that that difficult person it doesn't always mean what you think it means uh, usually it doesn't <laughs> and uh, and so let's talk it out eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five every day on more to life we take a look at the topic of the day through the lens of saint john paul's theology of the body and if you're not aware of what that is uh, when he was pope saint john paul gave a series of reflections on what it means what what creation rather can teach us about god's plan for living a more abundant life and having healthy holy relationships
2: the theology of the body reminds us that every individual is a unique and unrepeatable person and that is a wonderful thing, except then we realize that it means that not everyone is, that everyone is actually like different than we are, different opinions, different ways of looking at things, all of it. And yet somehow we have to learn how to deal respectfully with those differences instead of feeling put off or threatened by them, or letting it get between us, if that's not what's meant to happen. You know, it's easy to see irritating people as threatening, and to allow ourselves to become defensive in response. But the theology of the body would remind us that the only appropriate response to people, even irritating people, is true love
1: well and that's this is where it gets interesting Mm -hmm. right because sometimes loving a person a frustrating person does mean bearing the wrongs they commit patiently Um, but other times especially when a person is habitually offensive loving them means setting appropriate boundaries so that they can be encouraged to repent and to change and sometimes it means even setting boundaries that that say look i love you to be in my life, I need to see these changes or I'm going to need to put distance between us as a way of prophetically calling them to repent and change. Knowing the best way to be loving in the moment, especially when we're dealing with people we find irritating or upsetting, requires us to check our tendency to just react to them. Instead, we need to learn how to be receptive to the ways God is moving in the moment and how he's specifically asking us to work for that person's ultimate Good, so you know that gives us a little hint for how we can approach these difficult relationships with difficult people. But let's talk it out and find some grace-filled ways to respond to those situations today. On more to life at eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Again, that's 877-573-7825 five seven three seventy eight twenty five. Let's take our concerns to the Lord. And we'll start taking your calls in the name of the, the Father, Father and the, the Son,
2: Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. Lord Jesus Christ. We come to your presence and we bring to you all those difficult people and difficult relationships that we're in and we ask you for the wisdom that we need to know what it means to be loving in those situations help us to know when the loving response is bearing those wrongs patiently and when the loving response is finding some way to call that person to repent and to change and what that looks like charitably So that in all things, especially in those times when we're feeling frustrated with somebody or a little stuck and not knowing what to do, that we are able to identify those next steps toward working toward the other person's ultimate good, being our best selves, and glorifying you in those challenging relationships. We ask all of this through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and in the name of the the Father, Father,
2: and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen pope saint john paul the great pray for us today on more to life we're talking about when love is hard are you in a difficult relationship with somebody or dealing with a difficult person and you're not sure how to love them what that really means in your circumstances well let's talk it out together 877-573-7825
2: let's talk now with aldo who's listening to ewtn radio in dallas on guadalupe
1: radio hi aldo welcome to more to life what can we do for you
0: Hello, how are you doing? Um, I had Good, a question. Good, thank
2: you. What can we do for you today?
0: Uh, yes, I had a question about uh, my father and my family in general. They're all non believers and they're all a mixture of narcissists, but the worst narcissist is my father, and he's tremendously hurt my mother throughout my childhood. He's had strings of affairs, and how do I go about just reconciling with that and in asking him to either change or or to maintain our relationship how do we how do i go forward with this
1: well you know and, and it's 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 difficult of course when we have with a parent because we you know we know that we're supposed to to honor our mother and father and, and those sorts of things and and but but i think that you know honoring them doesn't mean you know Putting up with or tolerating offensive and sinful behavior. Let me ask you a question. You know, what what do you want to do? Like, what have you done in your relationship with your father? Have you set any kinds of boundaries at all? Or you know, what what are you struggling with in particular that we can help you with here?
0: I've um, I've set boundaries in the past, but I feel like I've either let them go or I I feel that I no longer want to tolerate his reckless behavior but um, quite frankly I, I I don't know what to do at this point other than to completely cut them off
1: them? You mean both your mother and your father?
0: Uh, most likely because although my mom has been really hurt by my father she still tries to tell me those things like don't you have to obey and and honor your, your family. Isn't that what your your religion says? And it's really hurtful to hear
2: that. Can this. I ask you, Aldo, how old are you now? I'm twenty four. I'm twenty four. You're twenty four. And and are you living independently on your own?
0: Um, I am. I have I have a wife and three children.
2: Hmm. Okay, so that, that is, the reason I'm asking you that is because your mother is sort of applying something that, you know, really just applies to minor children in terms yeah. of, like, what the Bible means on all of that.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, and you're saying that your family are are non-believers. You know, the Catechism actually says that, that um, you know, uh, children no longer owe obedience to their parents when they reach majority. Um, we, we honor our parents. And as a married man
2: with your own wife and child living independently on your own, that definitely applies
1: to you. But honoring our parents, you know, that, that means a couple of things. It, it doesn't mean putting up with every obnoxious, sinful, destructive thing that they do at all. Uh, to honor somebody means, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of love. And love means working for another person's good, right? So, you know, when we honor somebody, we can do that in a couple of ways. You know, uh, with, with, with regard to our parents, it, it conveys an obligation to make sure that their physical needs are attended to, especially in their old age. That doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be the ones to do that. Um, but but the, it does mean that we we do have a responsibility to them. Uh, secondly, um, the best way that we honor our parents is that whether they were good parents or not, uh, we choose to live in healthy and godly ways, uh, so that when other people look at us, they can say, you know, hey, you know, Aldo done been raised right, even <laughs> even if Aldo wasn't. You know, I mean, we're bringing honor on our parents by making healthy choices and leading godly lives, uh, and, and and sort and of being and that healing. example
2: even to them, healing ourselves. And living in a way where if they stick their heads up out of the hole that they're living in in their lives, they can say, oh, wait a minute. You know, Aldo has something we never had. He has has a greater ability to work on his marriage. May or may not be a great marriage, but he's working on it because he has a guidepost in his life. He's faithful to God. He has a peace that we don't have. He has a joy that we don't have whatever those virtues that god has really placed on your heart and mind to live out vibrantly in your life that's the beacon unto them and when we honor someone we need to honor who god created them to be not the sin that they are in the muck of
1: and in fact you know to honor somebody also means that you set you set those boundaries that let say look I, I love you um but in order to be in my life uh, you, you need to be healthier in in these particular ways now you know uh, when we talk about setting boundaries immediately we kind of go to setting cutoffs and sometimes we need to have a cutoff but but i what i'd like you to do aldo is ask yourself you know to what degree um and in what contexts can you feel safe being around them and when i say feel safe what i mean is not physically safe so much as you know what what kind of time can you spend with them if any um, and not have to spend the rest of the day putting yourself back together again.
2: And I will say, with a narcissist, you might say, mm, "I can't, I yeah. can't spend a second with this person without being completely awash in all the pain I've ever experienced."
1: And if that's the fact, then then fine, you know that, that's the way it is. But I, I want you to kind of pray about that. You know, are there any contexts in which I could interact with my folks um, and not, you know, and still feel safe? So maybe that means a text you know once in a while that you know once a week or whatever that says hey i'm thinking about you i love you guys and i hope that you're doing all right you know maybe that means that you can you know see them in a restaurant but you can't see them in their home maybe that means that you can see them you know in a public place but not in your home Uh, Maybe that means, you know, you you can see them with a group of people, but not alone. You You have to
2: ask yourself that question, assess what your internal response is, and ask God what he wants you to do about it. Because
1: the problem is, a lot of times when we set boundaries, we do it emotionally, right? And you've said, like, you know, you set boundaries before, but then you give up on them. And that's usually because, you know, I was angry about a particular thing, and then I got over being angry about it, and then I let go of the boundary. When we're talking about working for the ultimate good of somebody, what we're saying is, look, I'd love to be in a closer relationship with you, but I can't until X, Y, or Z, changes and so i'm going to limit myself to these interactions right that 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 one text a week or that one phone call a week or that whatever that, that whatever that is and then when they complain about it and say how come you don't come around anymore how come i'm not allowed to come to your house anymore how come you don't stay over here over the holidays anymore you're able to say well i would love to but in order to do that i would need to see x y or z because right now it's not safe for me to do those things as long as you guys are the way you are and and see, and you're, and you're holding that out, and that's really hard for them to hear, and they'll give you pushback and such, but you're still being prophetic and working for their good and saying, look, I want a better relationship with you, and if you want a better relationship with me, you'll do this work on yourself, and if you don't do that work on yourself, well, then I guess you love your garbage more than you love me and i have to let you do that and and that's their choice then so so it's not that you have to feel guilty because you've cut them out of your life it's that you've given them the opportunity to have a healthier relationship with you by doing a b and c and now they've chosen not to do that that's exactly what jesus did with the rich young man you know when the rich young man comes and says i follow all the commandments i want to do what you uh you know you, i want to have a deeper relationship jesus says well sell all that you have and give the money to the poor and come and follow me and the guy walks away sad because he didn't want to do that you know jesus didn't cut him out of his life if the guy came back the next day jesus would have welcomed him with open arms but he let the man choose what kind of relationship he wanted to have with him and then he let him go away if that was the case and that's the same thing with setting boundaries with other people we give them the opportunity to have a deeper relationship with us tell them what it would take to get that relationship and then we let them choose. So, Aldo, those are the boundaries that I would suggest that you set with your, your your parents. And regardless of what they say about it, stand strong, knowing that you are working for their good. We talk more about these, this kind of boundary setting in my book, God Help Me, These People Are Driving Me Nuts. Making Peace with Difficult People. It's available at CatholicCounselors.com. I encourage you to check it out. And of course, if you have any follow-up questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us here. We've got to go to break with that, but when we come back, in addition to taking your calls about those times when love is hard and you're dealing with difficult relationships or difficult people, we'll also be talking with Rachel Watkins, the developer of the Little Flowers Girls Club, and Mom of Eleven, who'll be sharing some insights for dealing with those difficult relationships. Stick around for that and a whole lot more
3: when More to Life continues in just a minute.
4: Catholic Connection with Teresa
5: Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, and all of a sudden, all of these regulations were put into place. When all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country, when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste, not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced, and rarely are these facilities inspected, and yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections,
4: Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio.
3: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
2: Thank you for joining us on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak.
1: I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And today's show is titled When Love is Hard. As we talk about dealing with either difficult relationships or being in a relationship with a difficult person, give us a call at 877-573-7825. Joining us right now, Rachel Watkins. She is the developer of the Little Flowers Girls Club and mom of 11. Rachel, welcome to More to Life
5: thanks Greg thanks Lisa I'm glad to be here
1: well in your and in your segment you wanted to reflect on this idea of what if it's me (laughs) what do you mean by that
5: well it's true isn't it that oftentimes we have very difficult relationships with people and we don't want to face the fact that it might be more on us than on them and that's where
2: we really Well, what do you mean by that? that, Rachel? Because I know most of us, you know, will say, but they did this 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 and if they weren't this way. So what do you what do you mean by that? How do we assess that?
5: Well, we have to rely on that great favorite Catholic tool of ours, the examination of conscience. And mm-hmm. don't we all hate that? We don't. We don't want to look in ourselves and say, am I holding a grudge against someone? Has someone in our lives made real moves towards us? Have they asked for forgiveness? Have they changed habits, but, boy, we want to go through that, like you said, Lisa. But you did this, you, you, you. And sometimes Mm. we have to go to confession. We have to seek forgiveness for the failures on our part in order to keep working on the relationship. So that's the first thing.
1: One thing I want to just highlight here, though, is, you know, because a lot of times people think they're holding a grudge, and they don't know the difference between that and holding somebody accountable. You're talking about if somebody is actually making efforts to change, then letting, you know, giving them the opportunities to change, as opposed to someone who is perpetually uh, engaging in this offensive habit and holding them accountable for that. That's not holding a grudge, right?
5: Exactly. And so you do. And, you know, think about it yourself, go to confession, and pray about what you might be responsible for, but it's praying about that relationship and saying to yourself, Lord, if this is a relationship you want me to keep, how do I do that? And also, we need sometimes to learn how to do it well, and referencing a very good book just previously mentioned by Dr. Greg Popcheck, <laughs> I needed to learn how to have better relationships. It doesn't naturally come to many of us that we can have a tendency to be think about ourselves if we have old wounds that are hard to forgive So find good resources to learn how to be healthy in a relationship and then the other thing i like is, that
2: you're saying that i just i just want to throw in that 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 can really be the holy spirit moving in our lives right where we do this this examination of conscience And we shouldn't just let Satan start condemning us in our heads. We should say, oh, thank you, Lord. You're trying to heal something for me. Some Mm -hmm. pattern that I learned in childhood, some behavior. You're going to help heal this in me while I try to apply this to my relationships, right?
5: Exactly. And that makes us then a happier, healthier person. And we all need that and want that for ourselves. So you're going to learn how to work on the relationship, but then... There are relationships we have to say goodbye to. There are relationships that have been useful for a season, so to speak, or they were helpful for a while, but you've changed, you've moved, they're refusing to change or move on, like the rich young man. So sometimes we have to verbally say to someone, you know, I'll be praying for you as we go forward in life, but this isn't a good place for me to be. I've changed, you're not changing have a healthy conversation and then some just fade away. You don't have to chase after someone who's not being receptive to your overtures of friendship. And it's sad when someone doesn't want to be your friend, just as it, you know, it happens when you're 40, 50, just like when you were four and five. But wasting time with someone who isn't a good part of your life, isn't wasted time. You know, to say goodbye to someone either verbally or let it fade away, is a hard thing to do no matter how old you are. But it's sometimes a really necessary thing God is asking you to do.
2: You know, I think that it's important to say, you know, we can say, thank you, God, for the gift that this person was in my life or that I was in theirs. But thank you for allowing us both to grow. And sometimes that means growing independently of each other, if that is what God is calling you to do. So really a lot of this the default is to prayer and really consulting God on what he wants us to do, whether he wants us to repent, whether he wants us to grow, whether he wants us to move past the relationship or really work on it are all questions that we need to really discern with the help of, of really you know listening to God in every way we can.
1: Rachel, I want to thank you for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And if folks would like to learn more about the Little Flowers Girls Club, I encourage everybody to go to BeholdPublications.com. Again, that's BeholdPublications.com. Thanks, Rachel. God bless,
5: guys. God bless, guys.
1: And we're taking your calls, listeners, at 877-573-7825. Are you in a difficult relationship? Or do you regularly have to deal with a difficult person? It can be anybody, you know. whether it's your spouse, maybe it's one of your kids, it could be a parent, relative, or friend, the reality is, difficult people are everywhere. <laughs> and rather than just walking away from them, you know we, know, we know we're called to love them. But as we've seen, you know, throughout the program already, that doesn't always mean the same thing in every situation. So if you're struggling to know how to love a difficult person, let's talk it out together at 877-573. 7825. We're going to help you find those grace-filled answers to those difficult people and difficult relationships, regardless of whether they're a kid or an adult or anywhere in between. Let's talk about what does it really mean to be loving in that particular situation with that particular person. 877-573-7825. More to Life will continue with your questions coming up right after the break. Stick around.
3: Heresy is not usually a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of arrogance. We're all ignorant. It's only about different things. And when I hear ignorant people say that they're stupid, my heart just breaks. I mean, to be ignorant is not to be stupid. Ignorance is fairly easy to remedy. It's a matter of learning. And St. Paul tells us to increase in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's confident that we can overcome our ignorance of Christ by getting to know him better. And so he prays for the Colossians. We constantly pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and to be fruitful in every good work, always increasing in the knowledge of God. Ignorance can be corrected. One has to die to arrogance. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
4: When we say, Thy will be done as it is in heaven, what are we asking of our Father? The Catholic Catechism explains that God desires for all men to be saved and to come to know the truth. He does not wish anyone to perish. In His Son, Jesus Christ, and through His human will, the will of the Father has been perfectly fulfilled once for all. The Lord made this clear on entering public ministry. I have come to do your will, O God. Only Jesus can say, "'I always do what is pleasing to him.'" even unto death, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not my will, but yours be done. Thus we ask our Father to unite our will to his Son's in order to fulfill the Father's will. By prayer, we can discern God's will and receive the endurance to carry it out. Jesus taught that one enters the kingdom of God not by speaking only words, but by doing the will of his Father in heaven. I'm Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
2: Hi, I'm Lisa Popchek. The key to being effective at handling conflict is keeping a close eye on our own emotional temperature. On a scale of 1 to 10, you never want to allow yourself to get over a 7, especially when you're in disagreement with someone. How do you know when you're getting too hot? One of the first behavioral signs that we are approaching a seven on our emotional temperature scale is that we start to speak and act too quickly for our brain to keep up. We start to trip over our words. We make silly, avoidable mistakes like knocking over a glass that we're reaching for. When our emotional temperature gets too high, we lose track of details which makes it harder to solve problems and often makes us do and say things that make problems even worse. To lower your stress temperature, one deceptively simple technique is to deliberately slow down. Speak a little more slowly than you want to, or instead of thinking of all the things you have to do next. Focus your mind on what you're doing now. Consciously slowing down lets your thinking brain catch up with your feeling brain, which lets your whole brain work on resolving the conflict. To learn more, check out our book, Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety, or visit catholiccounselors.com.
1: Welcome back, folks. You are listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. I'm Lisa Popchak. And today on More to Life, when love is hard. Are you in a difficult relationship? Dealing with a difficult person? Not sure what it means to be loving in that situation? Well, let us help you figure it out today on More to Life. The number is 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877 573 Seven eight two
2: five. We're talking now with Lana, who's listening to EWTN Radio in
1: Texas on Guadalupe Radio. Hey, Lana, welcome to More to Life. What's going on?
2: Hey,
6: thank you. Um, I was just calling because, uh, well, I have been talking to you guys on Catholic Home, which has been awesome. And um, Dr. Popcheck, I had posted about my fifteen-year-old and screen time and setting boundaries with him. And then we just had a situation last night that I just wanted to call about. So. um... Mm-hmm. Just, um we're just trying to figure out his boundaries as far as, like, just monitoring his phone time and his Xbox time. Uh, last night, well, he went to school yesterday, and on his own, he wanted to go early to shoot basketball at, like, 6 a.m. <clears throat> went to school all day and came home after practice and wanted to go get on this Xbox, which was totally fine, you know, with me. I know he wanted to rest. And so he went and did that. And then um, he had a friend come over, and they played catch outside, and then we had dinner, and we had a great dinner. He had actually been more open than he'd usually been, and um, then we all cleaned up, and then he went back to his room, and this was about 9 o'clock, and he got back on his Xbox. Um, And sometimes the the time he has to be at school in the morning fluctuates for practices, and it's really important to me uh, that he gets at least eight hours of sleep because I've seen him kind of die, you know, just not do well when yeah, he doesn't sure. have eight hours.
2: And, Absolutely. Um, and studies say the teens need even more than that. So you're, you're right on there, Lana.
6: Yeah, yeah, I'm really trying to, you know, be, you know, at least eight hours. But, yes, you could use nine or ten. Um, and it just is where, like, he was playing Xbox, and I came in there, and I said, hey, I need you to get off in 15 minutes. Like, I tried to be very fair in the warning, And 15 minutes goes by, and he's still playing. And it's Fortnite, and it just sucks him in, and he has to finish his game. And so here we go, like, 30 minutes later. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and and I understand. Like, so part of me was like, do I just go unplug it? Do I go unplug the Wi-Fi? Like, I'm just trying to figure out. Have you out, had
2: conversations you know. with him? And I know some of this has gone down over home, but... What, at what point are you now with the conversations with him that says something like, okay, you need eight hours of sleep. What time are you getting up tomorrow morning? All right, let's count backwards to that eight hours. And then knowing how long Fortnite takes, when was the last, when's the last possible time you could get on and get a decent night's sleep? Or are you guys not having those conversations right now?
6: Well, we have been having them, except, I mean, I guess maybe we could talk before he goes back in his room and say, hey, you know, let's talk about this. Sometimes it just slips my mind, but I I really, we do need to have it every night. I think, I would like Mm -hmm. to have a 10 o'clock cutoff time for the phone, because I do feel like, oh, he might change his time in the morning, but he has to be there, or he might have to, and it just might... No, I think that's
1: perfectly fine. I think that's perfectly so so look I mean I think that the key here is is establishing a a, a bedtime ritual you know that 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 when, even if he doesn't go to bed at a you know at the same exact time every night that like you said you know okay so by x o'clock you know, these thir- certain things stop happening. These other things start happening. You know, he needs to grab his shower. He needs to get changed for bed. He needs to turn off the screens. You know, he can read if he wants. You can come up with a couple of other act. You know, there's prayer time. But 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 really establishing a family nighttime ritual yeah. that that transitions from the activities into bedtime. You know, a 15 year old isn't 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 Self-regulated enough to be able to establish his own bedtime ritual. You know, all of us kind of struggle with that to oh, some degree. Oh, we sure do. As so if we can create that in our families, where okay, now everything we're starting to wind down the whole household, uh, and we're going to do these things together to wind down the whole household. And you're not just it's not just every man for himself trying to figure out when to go to bed, but as a family, you're creating a current that runs through your house and carries everybody along with it.
2: That's actually part of the discipleship discipline that we talk about here. On- on More to Life and on the Catholic HOM app that, you, that you're a part of. Discipleship discipline is not about just applying, you know, teachings to a, a discipline situation where something's gone wrong. What it really is is about accompanying and mentoring our children through the habits, through the behaviors, through the routines that are going to make them healthier, holier people. So really sitting down Both at your monthly meetings, even over dinner, having a meeting right after dinner can be part of your ritual where you're saying, okay, guys, you know, one of the things we know is that people need at least eight hours of sleep. So let's back this up and really come up with a family routine that we're going to do every night that will allow us to all be ready to go to sleep at least eight hours before we have to get up. Let's talk about what those things are that we need to have in here. We need to have prayer time, we need that. and develop this as a family ritual for every evening, so that everybody feels safe, everybody knows what's expected, and you're not putting out fires every night where he says, "Well, I just have to finish this game."
1: Yeah, and, and, if, and, and in terms of that, you know, if you've given him that kind of 15-minute whatever, whatever, I would kind of pop in and say, okay, look, your 15 minutes is up. I'm giving you five more minutes to wrap it up, and if you have to turn off the Wi-Fi, you turn off the Wi-Fi. Uh, but, but, but hopefully but the,
2: with the ritual, you won't have be in to that do position.
1: That. Well, yeah, and, and so you know, even if... And, and I like your idea about having the conversation, me, having the conversation every night about, you know, okay, so what time do you need to get up and what time do you really need to be in bed by? But I think regardless of that, You know, if you establish that, okay, we have this family ritual for winding down the house by, you know, whatever, X o'clock every night, then, you know, let's say it's a night where he could stay up a little bit later, but it's still quiet. You know, you've taken away the phone, you know, because we've talked about on home, we talked about having certain times where you collect the phone. Uh, And, 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 you know, maybe, for example, nighttime being one of those times uh, where the, you know, the the Wi-Fi is either shut off or the Xbox is disconnected or he's he's away from it. Um, But, you know, and so he's more inclined to go to sleep even earlier because there's there's less to do. You know, so you're just, you know, that this time, this is what we do to wind down the household. This is how we created that ritual that kind of creates a current through the house that tells everybody what's expected every night.
2: And the one thing, I don't want to throw a curveball in here, Lana, but you just gave me his whole routine like in the last day or so. I didn't hear homework in there at all. <laughs> now you might have just been you know sharing you know what he's doing socially online or even socially going to play basketball before school, which is great. you know, like let him have that real FaceTime, you know one-on-one real life experience to connect with his friends. But make sure that part of this discussion in the routines and rituals of your family life include, hey, what does it take to keep up the level of grade grades that you need and that are expected from you in this family? It's great to have all this time to be with your friends or to play a game and relax, but are you up to snuff in terms of your study time? Some kids can do it all at school because they have enough study halls, but most of the time there needs to be time of supervised study where he's at you know, the kitchen table or somewhere where the family's at And you know that he's applying himself in school as well. So all of those need to be looked at and built into the flow of your family day.
1: Um, You know, since you are a member of the Catholic home community, I'd really encourage you to go on the DIY video section. And check out the, the bits on routines. Also, if you scroll down uh, through the topics in Catholic on the Catholic Home Podcast, you'll find um, some on, on creating a current through your household, which uh, talks about r- rituals and routines. Take a look at those videos to get a clearer sense of what we're really talking about here. But the suggestions we've made on the call will certainly take you to the next place. And uh, thank you, Lana, for the call. It's- pleasure to have you as part of the Catholic Home community and thanks for calling in today for some extra advice. And listeners, if you'd like to join Catholic Home, that's Catholic H-O-M. You get the first month for free. You can go to CatholicHOM.com and sign up or download the Catholic H-O-M app. Every day on Catholic Home, we provide parents with resources that are fun activities to really take advantage of bringing Christ more meaningfully into your home and encountering God's grace more meaningfully at home and giving you the support you need with our whole team of pastoral counselors They're on there to ask questions uh, about discipline, about faith transmission, about living your faith at home. It's a great community.
2: And that's Catholic H-O-M. It stands for Households on Mission, and you can download it. On, from the app onto your phone, or you can access it from your computer because it's available there at catholichom.com. So it's available to everybody and a great resource for families, including grandparents.
1: And, Alana, thanks again for the call, and uh, we can continue the conversation on Catholic HOM. All right, we are taking a break right now, but when we come back, we're continuing to take your calls about dealing with those difficult relationships on our show today titled When Love is Hard. Are you in a difficult relationship, or regularly having to deal with a difficult person, and you're just not sure what the loving answer is? Let's talk it out. 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. As we head out to our break, it's time for our scripture of the day, which comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15.
2: See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another.
1: And again, this, does, this is not always as straightforward as it seems, right? We're not, you know, Saint- It
2: says good, not nice. Yeah. It doesn't say be nice
1: to each other. Exactly. St. Paul isn't saying you know, that when somebody's evil to you, you have to, you have to be nice to them. He's saying you do good for them. And what that sometimes means is setting a boundary and saying, look, I love you too much to let you keep acting that way with me. Um, you know, if, if I would love to have a deeper relationship with you, but in order to do that, the X, Y, or Z needs to stop or you need to get X, Y, or Z kind of help or we need to change this. In other words, you know, you stop climbing through my back window, but I'm going to hold the front door open for you if you'd like to come in that way. Uh, you know, so it's okay to set those boundaries. With That's not paying evil for evil. That's, that's saying to the, the person who's done evil to you, here's a way to heal. Here's a way to be healthier. Let's do that. And if you don't want to do that, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to let this go. I'm willing to let you go, if that, if, if need be. So you know, it, it, really being loving in the situation is always working for the ultimate good of that person and the ultimate good of the relationship. What does that mean for you? Let's talk it out. 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. More to life. We'll be back with your calls in just a minute.
2: Father Benedict Groeschel.
3: I don't think people should have negative fears of God. But I think you should get a lump in your throat, you should
1: feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the president of some country or something, you might get a lump in your throat, forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree,
3: if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence. And in proportion,
1: as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God
3: is present to us. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Do you have an unrelated twin, a doppelganger, walking around somewhere? I'm Chuck Gatica and this is Journey Strong. Scripture points to many who may have been actual twins. Doubting Thomas, one of the 12 apostles, may have been a twin. His surname is Didymus, which means double or twofold. Is it possible for each of us to have a twin of sorts, an unrelated person who so closely resembles us that they pass for a twin? Research cited by Dr. Peter Atia indicates that 99.9% of the human genome is identical across all humans. So it is possible that at least one of the billions on Earth could have a slight bit more genetic material that makes them look like me or you. But it isn't just looks. Even certain behavior studied tend to be more similar in lookalikes. The next time someone says you look like George Clooney, research says it's possible. For more on this, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net.
2: Thank you for joining us today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm
1: Dr. Greg Popchak, and today's show is titled When Love is Hard. And we're talking about those difficult relationships we're in, or those times when we're in a relationship with a difficult person. What does it mean to be loving in those situations? Let's talk it out. 877-573-573. 7825.
2: We're talking now with Dominique, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Idaho.
1: Dominique, welcome to More to Life. What can we do for you?
7: Hi. So, um, my question today is um, kind of along the lines of how can I handle a situation where um, my partner does not accept apologies? Um, whether it be... Your partner,
1: is, it, is it a husband or is it a, is it a boyfriend? What, do we, what are, we, what are
7: fianc- we talking about? He's, he's, he's my
1: oh. fiancé. Okay. So okay. Right, and
2: what do you mean that he doesn't accept apologies? Give us an example of this so that we can get <laughs> a clear picture.
7: So so if there is something that um, I'm, I say or do that he takes um, some kind of offense to um he'll kind of like try to get me to guess like I'll be like are are you okay did that hurt your feelings and he'll say no no but he'll kind of pull away and I'll be like I I didn't mean to hurt your feelings I'm so sorry and then he'll be like well you would be mad too or how how would that make you feel and then it it's more so like he he is mad and doesn't want to actually communicate that like that hurt my feelings um so then when I try to um help him feel better or um explain to him you know I I don't feel that way or you know that's not what I meant to say or something along those lines he he can't be like it's okay you know don't um, just please don't say that to me. Or I'm I'm trying to like think of an example because it happens with like minor things or I say or do something wrong. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. You know
2: what, Dominique? Good for you for knowing that this isn't okay. That that's what I want to start there. Good yeah. for you for knowing that this is not. In right order for your relationship, and that it's not going to be a healthy pattern if you marry this gentleman and have to spend a life with that pattern ingrained in him.
1: Uh, and I want to I want to say up front, you know, Dominique, uh, this is this is definitely looking to me like certainly emotional manipulation and possibly emotional abuse. Now, I realize that's very strong to say that, um, and uh, you know, but it's not healthy, at the very least. And this is kind of one of those things that honestly, if I were you, it would need to be resolved before you got married to this guy. Um, because if you were this one of make, our
2: daughters, we'd be all over this. We yeah, I mean, really would, <laughs> because we'd be concerned for your future.
1: This is a, you know, what, what, after the honeymoon phase, okay, the marriages evolved through stages, alright, and, and the first stage of the honeymoon stage, and then once that kind of you know that, that, that kind of shine goes off of things that's when couples enter into what's called the conflict and negotiation stage of the relationship where they start to kind of bring their two worlds together and start to build a life with each other and you know you start bumping into each other and stepping on each other's toes and you know offending each other even accidentally as you're trying to bring your two lives together um, and that requires at least some basic self-regulation skills and conflict management skills, and and he doesn't have either of those sets of skills. Uh, And that's going to cause a lot of problems. And I know a lot of couples who get stuck in that conflict and negotiation stage, you know, for 20 years because they have to put up with this kind of stuff. Um, And and so I, I think it's very important for you, Dominique, to not jump through his emotional hoops, but rather start setting some emotional boundaries with him.
2: And I want you to understand, not jumping through his emotional hoops and setting those emotional boundaries is working for both of your good it is christian love it is respecting the fact that both of you need these skills to be able to enter into a sacramental marriage that can really thrive
1: um so what What? what an example of those emotional boundaries let's say he starts the, the pouting thing right and you can say to him look i see that you're upset about something um but i need you to i'm not going to guess what that is I need you to be able to come to me directly and tell me what it is that, that I did that hurt your feelings and talk it out with me. When you're ready to do that, I'm ready to have that conversation. But until then, I'm going to give you the space that you need to try to figure that out. And then you excuse yourself from the date. you know, And you kind of give them that space, right? um because he 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 needs to be adult enough to come to you and say well look dominique this is what exactly what you said to us right
2: you You were able to say it so succinctly so well you know how to have a rightly ordered emotional relationship with
1: someone you just don't know you know that you have a right to expect that from him but you do all right i think
2: you do you're asking you know what do i do about this your intuition the holy spirit is working in your life now you have to have the strength to help him change this or know whether you can continue with it.
1: The second part of that is that, you know, when you're, when you're reconciling after an offense, um, the, the person has to be capable of being at least a little solution focused about it. You know, in other words, um, not just saying, you know, well, you hurt me, but saying, well, you know, what, what were we trying to do and how could we do it better next time? So, I would propose, you know, I would suggest to you that in that part of the conversation, you, whenever he's pouting and you've apologized, you can say, well, look, I, I understand that you're hurt. Let's talk about what we could do to handle that situation better next time. What would you like to see happen? Now, hopefully, he's able to participate in that conversation. But I know some people, okay, whose love language is basically holding things over other people's heads, right? You know, what do I mean by that? It's like, well, when you hold something over somebody, that makes them dance for you basically right it makes them say well what can i do to make this better what can i do to make this right
2: you have to reassure them that you love them all the time so they're feeding off of that tell me you love me by doing this dance
1: and and it's and and some people you know we all fall into that trap once in a while and we but we most of us recognize it's not a healthy thing to do so we try to get past it there are some people who turn that into their love language where, you know, I need to, I'm going to hold this over your head so that I can keep you in the relationship. I don't know how to positively work to keep you in the relationship, so I just, you know, never forgive you for anything so that you always feel on edge and you always feel like you have to dance for me and jump through my hoops and always have to prove to me that you love me, and that's how I hold on to you, and that's how I feel loved. I'm a little concerned that you're describing your fiancé as that kind of person, and that sort of a person... Is is a monster to have to live with for the rest of your life, so I, these things need to be addressed before you walk down that aisle. Uh, otherwise, you know, it, it, you're, you're not going to be in a in a good relationship. I said the other day, and actually, I got an email about this. Somebody said, well, "What do you mean by that?" I said, "I said the other day that marriage is a sacrament of healing. All the sacraments are sacraments of healing. All right, uh, all of them are meant to heal something. Now, the mar- sacrament of marriage is is meant to heal our inability to love the way God wants us to." right now. So, you know, all of us have love in our hearts. We want to love the other person. We want to be loved by them. But most of us don't know what it means to love others in ways that are actually loving. And we certainly don't know what it means to love each other the way God wants us to love each other. And so marriage is intended to heal that damage to our capacity for love, especially in a a physical way. Um, But... In order to participate in that healing grace, we need to have some basic skills that allow us to cooperate with that grace. As I often say, you know, imagine that you're you're a car. Grace is the fuel that fills your tank. But if you got four flat tires or a, or you know an engine that fell out a couple of blocks back, you can't take advantage of that grace. And so there's a there's a basic amount of, of, of human formation that's required for anybody to participate in any sacrament to any degree and and your fiance is displaying some real deficits when it comes to those abilities to participate with that grace when conflict comes up in your relationship i'm concerned that you know he that, that you would be unable to really have the kind of relationship that god is calling you to unless he addresses these things now and hard I, would, I want to
2: say this there're probably hundreds of people right now listening who would love to be able to get on air and say don't don't wait dominique get this under control before you get married because i've been married 45 years 35 years and i didn't address it and it's it's killing us so
1: so yeah because you can't you know it, you can't problem solve with somebody like if 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 he's you know again if you could use these suggestions and get past it great all right. In fact, I'd download the podcast, play it for him. Let me tell him. And then you guys have some conversations about this and see where I can go from there. You know, if, if he can be challenged on this gently and he can hear that correction and start working to find healthier ways to do that, whether that means going to counseling or reading some good books like our book, How to Heal Your Marriage and Nurture Lasting Love, which talks about how to address these kinds of things in conflict, great. Then then problem solved. Um, but if if he's kind of wedded to this and this really is his love language, so to speak, that, that's when you need to sort of really rethink the whole relationship. Uh, and if there's more that we can do to support you in that, check out the resources I mentioned at CatholicCounselors.com, including the book, How to Heal Your Marriage and Nurture Lasting Love, or learn more about the Pastoral Solutions Institute's pastoral telecounseling practice where you can work with a faithful, professional Catholic counselor to help you transform this relationship. And it goes for any listener out there who is looking for some more grace-filled support for making changes in your marriage, your family, or your personal life. CatholicCounselors.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have a blessed day.
4: You've been listening to More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek. More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Dan McGraw. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net.